Thank you so much, Kent. As Kent mentioned, we are in John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 11. Our text this morning is verses 17 through 27. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles uh, in underneath the chairs in front of you. And if you're visiting with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, you are welcome to keep that Bible and take it home as your own. We would love for you to have it. If you're watching by live stream this morning, you'll easily be able to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, uh, most of the verses will be on the screen. Well, as Kent did mention, we are in John chapter 11. And as I shared with you last week, when we come to John 11, the first 44 verses all deal with Jesus and Lazarus. Excuse me. It is a big section, and so I have divided it into four parts. We looked at part one last week. We're looking at part two this week. Verses 17 through 27. Let me read this passage for us. It says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I have used this particular passage of Scripture in all my years doing funeral services. I have used this passage of Scripture at the gravesite more than any other passage in the entire Bible. This passage. When I look at or think back of all the graveside services I've done. Not every one of them, but most of them, I would say, I have used this passage. I've used this passage to give hope to the family, to the grieving, mourning family, hopefully to provide them with great comfort in their time of need. And I think as we go along, you'll see why this is so important any time, but especially as we think of death and we think of the grave. Well, our first point this morning is the setting and background. Now, anytime you study a passage of Scripture, the setting and background is always important, but it is especially true in this one. As I go along, you will see there are certain cultural uh, traditions and things that were happening at this particular time in history that help us to better understand this passage. Now, last week, we were introduced to a man from Bethany in Judea named Lazarus. Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. 
And Mary and Martha are actually quite famous in the New Testament. They are named at least three times, three times in prominent places in the New Testament. We find them in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus comes to their home. And if you remember, Martha is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made and Mary sits at Jesus' feet. Then in Mark chapter 14, Mary comes to the home of Simon the leper where Jesus was and Mary, in a beautiful act of worship, anoints Jesus' body. So including this, these are three important places where these sisters are found and their brother is Lazarus. And we learned last week that Lazarus is about to die. But Jesus makes it clear that his death will be for the glory of God. Lazarus gets ill and he dies for the glory of God. And that was really the thrust of our passage last week. Every detail, every detail related to the illness and death of Lazarus is being controlled by the sovereign plan and design of God. It is an amazing thing. So Lazarus gets ill and dies for the glory of God. But not only that, Jesus is going to use the death and resurrection of Lazarus to strengthen the faith of his disciples and, in essence, strengthen our faith, too. Well, Jesus and his disciples arrive in Bethany and find that Lazarus has been dead for four days. That's what it says in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days is significant here. In the Jewish culture at this particular time, there was no real good way to preserve the body after death. And this particular area of the world has higher heat and humidity. So they would bury the body right away. It was very much a part of their culture that as soon as the person died, they would bury him or her. And so Lazarus has been dead for four days. Also, I read this in a number of commentaries, and we don't know this for sure, how it plays into this, what John writes here. But there was a superstition among many of the Jewish people that after a person died, their spirit would hover over their body for three days, wanting to reunite with the body. But in the fourth day, the body would begin to decompose and the spirit would leave and the person was really dead at four days. Now, again, we don't know for sure if that plays into this, but it's the fourth day after Lazarus dies. We do know this, that since Lazarus has been dead for four days, it magnifies the great miracle that Jesus is about to do that we will look at in subsequent weeks. So, in verses 18 and 19, it tells us, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Another piece of cultural information that is helpful to us is at this time in history, a Jewish funeral would last for approximately a week. 
You would go where the family was and you would mourn and you would grieve with them for approximately a week. Very different than what we do now. But Lazarus has been dead for four days and the people are still consoling Mary and Martha because of the death of their brother. Notice it says Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off. John tells us that because it is likely that many Jewish people came to mourn and grieve with them. Because Jerusalem was a large city compared to the village of Bethany. And some of those who came may have also been followers of Jesus, but undoubtedly many of them were not. Some of them may have been close acquaintances of Mary and Martha. Some of them may have only known them casually, but they came to pay their respects, much like we would do in a funeral service even today or at a funeral viewing. We may not know the family real well, but we come to pay our respects and that is what is happening here many of the jews had come to martha and mary to console them concerning their brother so in verse 20 it says so when martha heard that jesus was coming she went and met him but mary remained seated in the house so when martha hears that jesus is coming and it's jesus and his entourage it's his disciples who are coming with him also she goes out to meet them and ends up engaging with Jesus in a very, very important conversation. But Mary stays seated at home. Why did Mary stay seated at home? We don't know. A lot of speculation. Some people speculate that Mary was in meditation or contemplation, but we really don't know that. We just know that she was still at the home. Maybe she was continuing to meet with those who were grieving and mourning with them. But Martha goes out to meet Jesus as he enters into the village. And as I said, engages with him in a very important conversation. And that's our second point this morning, is an amazing declaration. Martha's conversation with Jesus deals with the heart and soul of biblical Christianity. It is hard. It would be difficult to overemphasize the importance of this conversation that Martha has with Jesus. And a lot of the focus in Mary, excuse me, yeah, in Mary and Martha is on Mary, but here it is Martha who is a very important person in this chapter and in this particular text. In verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, some people have been critical of Martha because they say it appears that she's being rude to Jesus. Like, Jesus, if you hadn't waited two days, if you hadn't messed around for two days, and you'd have got here, my brother would not have died. If it hadn't taken you so long to get here. But that's not what she's saying at all. It's not. Martha is grieving. She loved her brother. And she loves Jesus. You will see that as we go through this chapter. She absolutely is devoted to and loves Jesus. She is a grieving sister. Many of you in the auditorium this morning have been through times of grief where you've lost loved ones, where you've seen your loved ones go home to be with the Lord. 
and you know that emotional state of grieving. And what Martha is saying here is simply, Lord, if you'd been here, I know my brother would not have died. She loves him so much. She said, I know you couldn't be here, but if you had, I know he wouldn't have died. Now, it's interesting. There was a message. If you remember from last week, there was a message sent to Jesus. He whom you love is ill. And Jesus intentionally waits two days before he goes to Bethany. But this has been four days. So it is unlikely that Jesus, even if he had left immediately at the time he got that message, that he'd have made it to Bethany by the time that Lazarus had died. So he waited two days to heighten what he's about to do. But don't misunderstand, even if he'd have left immediately, he probably wouldn't have gotten to Bethany by the time that Lazarus died. Now watch verse 22. Martha then says this, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. But even now, Jesus, I know that if you ask the Father for anything, he's going to give it to you. What a remarkable, refreshing statement. We spent sermon after sermon in chapters 5 through 10 of the Gospel of John, seeing Jesus in these confrontations with the Jewish religious leaders where they refuse to believe he is God, they refuse to believe he is one with the Father. They refuse to believe that he has an intimate relationship with the Father, but not Martha. Martha believes it all. She believes all of it. She embraces all of it with all of her heart. And she says, even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I don't think Martha was thinking, oh, you're, maybe you'll raise him from the dead. I don't even think that entered her mind. I really don't. I think what she was probably thinking is, Jesus, even now, maybe you can bring us supernatural comfort. Even now, maybe you'll present us with some teaching that we will really benefit. She is just expressing her love for her Savior. Well, in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, I don't think Martha grasped this. He simply makes the statement, your brother will rise again. And notice what Mary said, or excuse me, what Martha says in verse 24. Martha said to him, oh, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Oh, I know that, Master. See, she's not even thinking that he's going to raise her brother from the dead soon. She's thinking, oh, yeah, in the resurrection at the last day, he will rise again. You see, every devout Jewish person who revered the scriptures, which we now call the Old Testament. They believed that there was coming a day, just as we do today, just as we believe that one day everyone will be raised. Some will be raised to everlasting life. Some will be raised to everlasting judgment. Martha knew that. Martha believed that. She is very well-versed in her theology and her understanding of the the Bible. And so she's thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, he'll rise at the last day. In fact, I read that it was very common when people would console someone who was grieving and mourning, they would say, oh, but don't forget your loved one. He or she will rise again at the last day just to bring them comfort and hope in their grieving. 
And so she knew this, and she knew it well. The Jewish people got that belief, as we do from many texts in the Old Testament. Perhaps the most prominent one is Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. This is what it says in Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Martha knew that. She knew that passage of Scripture, but she also knew something else. Jesus taught this. In fact, if you recall, Jesus teaches this in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 5 and verses 28 and 29. And this is probably a teaching of Jesus that Martha was very familiar with. Jesus himself says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That's Jesus' teaching what the Old Testament taught. Martha knew that. She had that down. Oh, yes, Lord, I, I know you will raise him again at the resurrection on the last day. But then Jesus takes Martha to a whole new level. And Jesus takes his disciples to a whole new level. Remember, his disciples are there and they're listening to all of this. And Jesus takes us to a whole new level in verses 25 and 26. Perhaps one of the great statements ever made in the history of the universe. Jesus said to her, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is the fifth of Jesus' seven great I am statements in the Gospel of John. Excuse me. Where he identifies himself as the I am as the I am of Exodus chapter 3, where God comes to Moses in the burning bush and says, I am who I am. Go to the Israelites and tell them that I am has sent you you to them. I am means the everlasting, ever-existent, eternal God. And Jesus claims that he is the great I am in seven different places. Actually, there are more, but where he actually makes these statements about himself, they're known in the Gospel of John as the seven great I am statements. In chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door. In chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In chapter 15, he will say, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the great I am. And oh, what a statement. And here's my fear this morning. For me and for you. 
We know this so well, we lose the weight of it. We lose the great impact of it. Jesus says to this Jewish woman who believed in the resurrection at the last day, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection after death is found in me. Eternal life, everlasting life. Life beyond the grave is found in me. I am the resurrection. I am everlasting life. It is all. Its foundation, its source, everything about resurrection and eternal life is found in the person of me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Martha, and we know Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and we'll get to that in the weeks to come. But Jesus is in essence saying Lazarus is still alive. Just like you can say of your loved ones who are in Christ, they're still alive. Not figuratively, literally. They are still alive. Jesus promises to you, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he Continue to live. That's what it means. And then that next statement has overwhelmed me for years. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. How can you say that, Jesus? Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, it means you'll never die. You say, Pastor Tim, how can that be? I'm going to die. Yes, your body will die, but your soul, your spirit will live on. You will eventually be reunited with your resurrection body. You will never really die. The real you will never die. That is the great hope of the Christian faith. It is because you have placed your faith and trust solely and only in he who is the resurrection and the life. John MacArthur said, this is the greatest news that has ever hit the world. Death is not the end. Do we realize this morning how important that is? Death is not the end. For so many, they think it is. We die. We get buried. We decompose. And that's it. No, death is not the end. We know Christ is our Savior. If we have the resurrected and living Christ living in us, we live forever. We never die. Do you, oh, do we grasp that? Because of Jesus, we never die. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory through the one who is the resurrection and the life. At the end of verse 26, he says to Martha, do you believe this? Wow. He makes this incredible statement. I am statement. 
says, Martha, do you believe this? And Martha gives a glorious, glorious answer. You know, Martha kind of gets a bad rap in the New Testament because of Luke chapter 10. You know, she was worried and upset about all the preparations that had to be made, distracted while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so we kind of get this picture of Martha that she's this, like, hurried, busy person, and she probably was. But let's know this morning, she loved the Lord. She was committed to him. And I mean this by the grace of God and the enablement of God. But Martha shines in this passage. Martha gets her day. You could not possibly give a better answer than Martha gives in verse 27. She said to him, to Jesus, yes, Lord, Master, I believe, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I believe that you are God in human flesh, the one that the prophets foretold that was to come into the world. I believe that you are him. Good answer. The best possible answer. it, It would be hard to give a better answer than that. I embrace you as Messiah. I embrace you as God. I believe that what the prophets foretold for thousands of years, you are the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. You are the Savior and you are my Savior. Which leads us to one last thought. In Jesus I am statement, I want us to focus on the phrase, whoever believes in me. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That means this doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't. It only applies to those who believe in Jesus. Yes, the way of the cross is exclusive in that it is found only in Jesus, and yet the way of the cross is open to anyone, anyone who will come. Anyone who will believe in Jesus. We talk about the gospel a lot. And that term gets used a lot these days. And I'm glad it does. I'm glad it does. And we think of the gospel, we tend to think of the gospel in parts. That you must acknowledge your sin. You must admit that you are a sinner. You must admit that you are a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. You must believe that Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection is the only means of salvation. And you must invite him. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. In essence, that is the gospel. And that's good. All those things are good. And we need to explain it that way. However, when you think of the gospel, I want you to think of one word. Jesus. 
Jesus is the gospel. You can sum all of that up in one word, in one name, and that is Jesus. It is belief in him. You see, we aren't saved by trying to live a good life. I hear people say, you know, I've tried to live a good life. I've always tried to do the right thing. I've always tried to do the right thing. Well, let me tell you something this morning. When it comes to your salvation, when it comes to eternal life, trying to do the right thing will get you nowhere. You don't get to heaven by going to church. You don't get to heaven by volunteering in ministries or in charities. And please don't misunderstand me. All those things have their place and are good. But that's not how you are forgiven. That's not how you are saved. That's not how you, are, you go to heaven. The only way you are saved is by believing in Jesus. By trusting in him and him alone for your salvation and believing that in his death and resurrection he accomplished everything that needs to be done for your salvation. It's Acts, it's Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's it. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But I believe Jesus is asking you the very same question he asked Martha. Do you believe this? Could you in your heart of hearts give the same answer that Martha gave? Yes. I believe that you are the Christ. The Son of God who is to come into the world. I believe. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Have you done that? Has that become true in your life? Oh, let me tell you, this passage is filled with hope. Great hope for those who come to the Savior. We're going to close in a few minutes with a modern hymn. It's a hymn that was written just about two years ago. And it's amazing how quickly this hymn has become beloved in churches, not only in the U.S., but all around the world. We have sung it many times here. It is the song, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. And this song goes along so well with this passage. In the opening of the song, it says, What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong? That's it. What is our hope? In life and death, Christ alone. Christ alone. So as we sing in a few minutes, I want you to think about Jesus' great I am statement. I want you to try to put those two together if you can in your minds. As you're thinking, I want you to, excuse me, as you're singing, I want you to think about this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet shall he live, and everyone, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has conquered death. 
He is our resurrection. He is our life. He is our hope. We praise him. We exalt him. We glorify him. And we pray as we always do in Jesus' name.